0: Hey PLR listeners, this episode is a bit of something new. It's the first episode that we actually don't have a guest to interview. Um, that is A, because we've, it's been a full almost two years, so it'll be two years in November um, of consistent interviews of mutual aid and organizations in the city of Providence and in some cases the state of Rhode Island. Uh, We had one lined up for today, but unfortunately there was a miscommunication with it. So it didn't happen. Uh, We will try to rectify that with the next full episode. But we figured it wasn't so bad to have just an episode of just the first segment of the show. So in any case, here it is.
1: Hello, welcome to the Providence Leftist Radio. This is Crow. With me is Alex and Evan. We're going to be talking about a good amount of things today. And just make sure that you double check the Patreon. We have a couple of things that you can look up and support us. And along with that, if you're free May 14th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., we will be one of the vendors at the House of Kodak uh, Marketplace event. A lot of folks there. Um, Hope to see you there. Yeah, it's usually a really
0: cool event. There's usually uh, a lot of great artist tables. And, you know, people cycle in and out of it. There's usually food. So it's a cool place to check out. I know that um, Red Ink will have uh, a table next to the PLR table where we'll be selling books for a dollar. And the, the money goes to Red Ink. And we'll have like business cards and stuff like that. So you can come say hi to the Red Ink people as well. I think it will be right next to the PLR table or if not that attached to the table. I'm not sure yet. Hell yeah. And that, yeah. And the, the, the Patreon is always a good idea to check out. It just helps us a lot. Uh, It helps us fund the mutual aids that come on the show, uh, send them some money. So That's what we're all about. That's what we're trying to do. So what's new? What's going on this week?
1: A whole lot. Um, I guess the first thing we can probably bring up would be that protest at the Statehouse recently. Um, Context wise, um, um, I'm always bad at remembering names. Roe (laughs) v. Wade, correct? Yeah. Yes, that's what it's called. Roe v. Wade. Um, Essentially... Um, Supreme Court pretty much just wanted to butcher it entirely, get it out of the way, and it's entirely an attack on bodily autonomy. And there was a protest in response to it um, all over the, there were protests all over the country. and we had one at our state House, which it was nice to see a lot of folks there coming out. But of course, you know, this is something that we somewhat pretty much have every time where various folks come out, it's great that folks would show solidarity or just like show like, hey, we're here, we exist. But one of the things that I would say is, one would say they could feel tired of these kind of things going on, of these kind of rallies at the State House constantly happening. Every time something happens, we're all at the State House, and it usually goes the same way. It's uh, some local community folks would come up and speak. Folks would say some pretty cool things like uh, about what they plan on doing and this and that. But then it's also too much time is taken up by local politicians slash like government officials. And I feel like if we need, if we were to want to get something truly done, those who should be coming up to speak and those who spe- specifically would want to voice what they want to voice should be less focused on government officials and more on like the larger community of people who live in Providence instead. Um.
0: Yeah. the uh, they, The entire protest was organized by uh, the Women's Project. That's with the X in in uh, place of the E, uh, and. You know, most of all of their speakers, like you said, were were politicians or like aspiring politicians. And, you know, I, like I was there with the Communist Party and uh, a lot of things that a lot of folks that would listen to our podcast were really annoyed about is that the rally was sort of just like a get out the vote rally. You know, like all these politicians just came up when they were like, this is the importance of voting or you know, even blaming people who didn't vote last time for everything that's happening now, uh, which we we know is not true, right? Because the Democrats currently have the power to avoid um, a reversal of Roe v. Wade, or or they have the power at least to, to mandate uh, bodily autonomy rights for people, but they just haven't done it. And instead, what it seems to be is that uh, abortion rights are an important political talking point for people who are trying to win office and it gets a lot of money for candidates too right the, the pro abortion organizations tend to donate like thousands if not millions of dollars to certain candidates and so if you eliminate that topic from the political discourse in general then you're eliminating a huge source of revenue for for democrats and their campaigns and so the protest was sort of annoying. And then did you see the big hot air balloon that they had?
1: Yeah, I believe, um, I think someone had mentioned that the hot air balloon was just brought in by a like local entertainment group.
0: Yeah, it's still ridiculous, though. It's a little bit over the top where like, you know, we, we looked at, we, we looked at, uh, we looked into how much it costs to rent a hot air balloon. And it's like, thousand dollars an hour and then to buy one is like 15,000 or something like that and it took the guy like an hour to like prime this hot air balloon which kept making really loud gaseous fire noises in the middle of speeches and stuff which was actually kind of cool i i liked the interruption of of people speaking um but yeah it was just kind of a little extra there those kind of-
1: who were there with ADHD like myself it was funny and interesting just you're right it was kind of like every time someone's talking and all fire like all of a sudden i'm like i lost focus entirely i don't know what's going on anymore yeah uh it was a bit of a lot like i understood it like they could put a projector there and put it some messages but maybe maybe it was a little much maybe a little much
2: that's the women's project that's their thing they like to project images Mm. on various places
0: I think we got into it once with them about uh, abortion. What was it? Uh, it had something to do with the the CVS controversy that came out earlier this year.
2: We spoke with them about, or like we did a whole Instagram live with them because of CVS controversy. Yes, so the Women's Project is, um, they. I mean, they claim to be. Proponents of like sexual liberty and, and autonomy and uh, a person a, a person's right to choose and everything, um, but I would encourage people to also look into like like actual reproductive justice organizations. Um, not I don't know I'm not tight with the people in the Women's Project so I can't really vouch for them. The X in there is sort of a dog whistle for turf shit. Um, so I have my skepticism, which I think is fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, go ahead.
2: No, I was just gonna say there's a uh, the DIY reproductive sexual health collective that's in town. That's the same people as the radical mental health collective, and so they're uh, they've got more of like a Marxist view on uh, reproductive justice and. You know, not necessarily adhering to what's legal. Um, so, I guess if you, if y'all don't mind, can I explain a little bit more in depth about Roe versus Wade and like what that is? Hell yeah. Um, so in the '70s, this bill was passed, Roe versus Wade, and then like the early '70s, um, that made is a constitutional uh, amendment or like right for people who could become pregnant to choose to not be pregnant or to choose to not carry uh, a pregnancy to term. And so it was leaked this wins, this uh, Monday, I think, uh, the same night as the Met Gala, <laughs> that's all I know. Um, uh, it was leaked that the by Politico. Politico broke the story that the Supreme Court will, was planning to overturn Roe versus Wade. Um, which has been threatened pretty much constantly since it was passed. Um, But so we are one of many countries that is making it uh, really, really difficult. Others, I mean, like individual states have done things to make abortion harder to get, um, making it so people have to cross state lines or um, really just making it really hard for all people. Uh, but even like Cuba has like, it's legal there on demand. So, uh, i do not know. sorry. It's just a little bit more context and we have groups like Planned Parenthood, but they're sort of not the best. I would say, even though I support Planned Parenthood and have been a patient at a Planned Parenthood, uh, interviewed for a job at Planned Parenthood. <laughs> Um, didn't get the job. Um, but there are there are groups in town, uh more grassroots organizations that I can post on the Instagram. If you donate money to them, it goes directly to funding procedures for people rather than for I don't know, whatever Planned Parenthood does with that fucking money.
0: Rather than for hot air balloons.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was I'm I'm sorry, everyone, I wasn't there at the rally thing. I didn't see the hide. this is my first time hearing about the hotter balloon.
0: <laughs> you didn't really miss anything. There were a lot of pink hats, um, yeah. uh, as, as I think the Women's Project is a lot of pink hats. And um, you know, a lot of the speeches that were probably uh, solicited by the Women's Project, by politicians and stuff, The rhetoric was very much that this is a, quote, women's rights issue. Uh, And the only people to frame it, the only person, I mean, the only person that was not, you know, a Democrat properly that spoke was a member of the PSL. And she was the only person to frame it in like a human rights issue and reproductive rights in general uh, and to not use the exclusionary, exclusionary language of of a women's issue. So, I mean, at least I was happy that she spoke and she kind of clarified that and framed it also in a critique of, of capitalism. But yeah, it, the, you didn't really miss much in that. In that yeah,
2: I, I mean, I, I knew that it was gonna be a big transphobic um, mess. So I was just like, mm, me and my uterus are gonna stay home.
1: And yeah. not wear a hat. Yeah, in general, a lot of it just kind of was again, like I mentioned earlier, just tiring. It's the same thing every single time. And like, I feel like with that many, that many people brought together into one place should be used greatly as an opportunity to like be more real with the people of our city and state, be more exact and maybe say things that matter more than just going to go vote for democrats as if that's the band-aid that will fix it all when it clearly Weird. has shown that it's not
0: there were at least two members of this organ this fascist organization core that were walking around in uh, videotaping people there was one that was actually standing on the state house steps next to all the speakers and he was just kind of you know he's wearing a
1: Let's Go Brandon hoodie. Yeah, I'm aware of them. Long story for short, sure. for that, for them, uh, complete nobodies, right? And I'm gonna leave it at that. And I hope they hear that and then have breakdowns from that because I know. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, they of course they're nobodies, but I think it's important that people who come to these actions, which are like you said, kind of non consequential, uh, still are aware that. They've been filmed. Um, and that, you know, their likeness is out there in whatever dark social media core operates in. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people might not be aware of that.
1: From there, um, like again, I keep saying it, just need to stop just telling people that the solution to this will be voting. It's not voting. People need to start taking actions. There are various forms of actions people can take. That's up to them, that's up to their people, their groups. Um,
2: I think education is a huge part of it also because it's about sexual health in a lot of ways for people of all genders um, and bodily autonomy. Like I said, you know, there's a lot of stuff going around about like just get a vasectomy or. I don't know, like legal abortion is, is safe abortion and that, and that's, and full stop, but that hasn't been proven. That's actually a lot of that stuff's not actually accurate. So misinformation being spread as usual um, is going to be a huge problem.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, it's also important to tie it to a critique of capitalism because, uh, You know, I I posted on my Instagram recently, all of the major corporations that are involved in overturning or involved in organizations that are trying to overturn Roe v. Wade. And, you know, a lot of them are companies that we use every day. And that's because, you know, they're involved. It's like Johnson and Johnson, for example, heavily involved in in the baby industry, as I call it, the kid industry and all the things that you need to to buy and have to have children that, you know, the fear is that if uh, if abortions are made legal, then uh, less profits would be made off of those essential baby items um, like diapers or I don't know, formula or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and that's why there are even politicians in this state, Sheldon Whitehouse, for example, who um, when asked to make a public statement about it uh they're very indirect in the way that they respond to it uh kind of just saying that like you know whatever the supreme court decides is what what i'm going to have to go with and and or saying that like you know we have legislation in the state of rhode island that protects reproductive rights indefinite but like as we know with legislation nothing is indefinite right it can always be overturned and and as soon as uh, this Supreme Court decision is published uh, and it comes out, then no doubt there's going to be anti-abortion groups in the state of Rhode Island who move to sue the state for the legislation that's in place. Uh, and that's how state legislation gets overturned. Um, and so you know, just because there's a law in Rhode Island doesn't mean that it's, it's safe, I guess would be what I say.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily think Rhode Island is is in trouble uh, in this context, but um, I do think that there will be a lot of people who, again, who don't know what's, what is actually happening and aren't educated on the issues, um, which is not necessarily their fault either. But yeah, so there's going to be a lot of unsafe things happening, which really sucks. But there are mutual aid groups who can hand out condoms and and leaflets and things and that's nice
1: alongside that there's also it's almost like a domino effect so supreme court decides to do this now what's next whether Mm -hmm. again we live in a country that for the most part it even though the democrat uh, president's a democrat that doesn't mean he's like left-leaning at all like this is a right wing country. This is the same country who has had like deaf squads in Latin America or has like con- continued to bomb the Middle East or just done so many atrocious things all over the world and to its own people constantly. Um, this is the same country that continuously keeps murdering marginalized people in the streets all over.
0: Or more, like, yeah, more directly the House of Representatives just recently stalled the passage of I think eight billion dollars that was supposed to go to green energy uh, in favor of diverting that money towards more weapons for Ukraine uh, to or more more defense weapons to uh, combat China and then of course more weapons to Ukraine too. So you know that's what we're dealing with here.
1: So yeah, we are in a time where voting doesn't work. too much energy is focused and too many resources are focused on pretending that voting will solve anything where we're leading to a time where folks should start preparing do what you can to make sure if you ever need to protect yourself your friends and your family be ready um but yeah just be aware that this is most likely part of a domino effect and who knows what's going to happen but yeah from there there is a lot of stuff going on in our city you like sunflowers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with this. Like uh, it was, uh, I think it was called 10,000 or hundred thousand or 1000 sunflower um, project. And yeah, it was,
2: Ruby.
1: yeah, it was like downtown. It was really nice. It was a green space that people, anyone who lived anyone at all, whether it's a tourist person, who lives in the neighborhood or just anyone in the city or state, can just come bring their family, bring their kids, their grandparents, and just hang out and be in a wonderful space of flowers. I've definitely flowers. Spent some
2: time in those sunflowers.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, that piece of land got bought up by a Boston developer because of course it did. Um, It's the the same thing we're seeing all over our city. Developers keep continuously buying up the land of our city and they keep saying that they're going to make more apartments but like i keep seeing all these apartments continuously being built in the city yet my family and my friends everyone that i know are still living in this housing crisis because even though more apartments are being made they're not affordable for us who live in providence they're not really reachable these are mainly made for more upper and middle class people who pretty much would be transplants into our city and uh, continue the gentrification and continuing the pushback against the those who are impoverished of our city.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't hear about that sunflower thing. Um, it, was it RISD that sold it? It must've been, right? If I been- unfortunately am not sure
1: uh, who sold the land. I I just assumed the land belonged to Providence and that the sunflowers is probably part of like Providence tourism, something like that.
2: But I don't like, know. I think it was an, like an individual who was trying to make, who like had this idea and worked with a bunch of volunteers and like made this happen. Mm. And it's been fine for a long time. I don't know who owned the land, probably not RISD. RISD doesn't own any of the land. They rent all the buildings. Mm. They're occupied. Yeah. things.
1: And just general, it's a loss for our city. And like, again, like we are in a housing crisis just because more apartments are being made doesn't mean it's going to fix the housing crisis when the housing crisis primarily is happening due to the greed of landlords who buy up land to the point where there is less land for people who want to become homeowners to be able to own a home and forcing them into renting um and pretty much again just continuously you're a landlord living a tenants uh a tenant's paycheck to paycheck um and again that's just like boston developers they're going to continuously take advantage of our city they're going to continuously make it for everyone except our friends and family the people who grew up in the city uh the people who are working class in the city and I also want to mention there's some folks that are like bringing up some fun little things. that's related, but unrelated, you know, we lost the green space just to put in a bunch of apartments that are unreachable yet there is land that could be used for that. Instead, just get rid of the golf courses. Yay. Like golf. Yeah. yeah. Golf courses are a waste of space and that's primarily true. made for just, well, it's considered like an elite like an old man elite sport kind of thing not, yeah. not an elite sport but like uh a, a, a upper class elite kind it, of a, it really
0: um, is a specific class and income earner that is capable of golfing in leisure uh because they they have the the money to do it and the yeah. time to do it so Only yeah, they go- aren't
1: allowed to have all that space while little small little patches like this are taken from the people of our city
0: yeah yeah. And you know that it's, it's probably considered like prime real estate too, because of its location next to like plant city and stuff like that. So the idea that some developer will come in and build affordable housing there is just ridiculous because just by its location, we already know that it's going to be super overpriced. And we already have a, a blueprint for how this is done and how it's been done. If you look at And I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but if you look at the city of Boston, um, when I was younger, uh, it used to be that you know a place like Alston, for example, and even Brighton to an extent, uh, Jamaica Plain, even uh, Hyde Park and uh, Mattapan, for example, were definitely affordable for like working class individuals to live in who commuted into the center of the city or even. You know, within the suburbs. Uh, but now, if you drive through any of those neighborhoods, it's either people living in, it's either like eight people living in one three bedroom apartment and splitting rent that way, or it's just houses that have been completely renovated uh, and that are on the market for like, you know, uh, $2,200 for a one bedroom, you know, it's in like the, those prices aren't going down anytime soon because uh, Boston has also concentrated uh, in both tech uh, professional careers like academia uh, and, and doctors. And, and those are the people that I guess can afford that kind of stuff. Um, and so like people who actually work in Boston at like cafes or in the service industry of, of some type, they all have this ridiculous commute inside the city uh, or they live in really cramped apartments with with people uh, and it just doesn't seem appealing and you know and the city continues to build but those are like vacant townhouses and vacant apartments that nobody can afford um, so the same thing is happening here because i think that the developers in boston are seeing that they have squeezed that market as hard as they possibly can. And so now they're looking at the second biggest city in New England and one that has a direct commuter rail line into and with Boston and New York. And so Providence is like ripe for real estate development uh, along those lines. So like, that's where we're headed.
1: Yeah, it's again, this housing crisis that we currently are in is just gonna keep getting worse. Not only that, um, besides just the issue of housing, we also have the issue of like being able to have the lights on and being able to not freeze. Um, Recently, gas, uh, my gas bill doubled. And I know the same story goes for others. I've seen others even say that their gas bill tripled and it's not as if anyone is, like, suddenly using more, like, gas. It's just that they're being charged and they're being, like, essentially scammed by National Grid. And it turns out that um, Uprise recently uh, brought to the attention that National Grid is planning on hiking up the price of electricity by, I want to believe, they said 63%. Yeah. And that's, again, just ridiculous like if folks currently right now are barely holding on it's going to get worse and of course there should be more that folks can do unfortunately um i'm not sure if y'all may know some things in relation to like uh, um, any activism or anything that they're doing in relation to that for national grid but of course the housing thing there's things like the the Tenant Network RI and other like tenant unions. So in general, at least for now, just talk to your neighbors more and as usual, prepare.
0: The DSA has a group called Nationalized Grid, which is uh, an effort to try to get uh, energy nationalized in the state of Rhode Island and in the country in general. But uh, with the price of fossil fuels going up, as it has been in the past few months, and the ongoing war uh, with Russia, who is the second biggest oil and natural gas importer in the world, uh, you know, it not only gives these companies an excuse to hike the prices of of energy, uh, but it's also going to make any attempts to nationalize or at least provide some kind of state subsidies to it, extremely difficult, if not impossible. Um, So, yeah, that I mean, that's definitely going to contribute to uh, gentrifying, changing Providence in general and kicking people out of vital areas. So might want to find somewhere else to live eventually, I guess, unfortunately.
1: Well, of course, I'm pretty diehard. Nothing's moving me out of my home unless I want to leave. And that's the mentality more folks should start taking in this city. Again, this is our city, and as far as what we need to do, again, talk to your neighbors, talk to more folks, come up with some ideas, come up with some plans. But essentially, at some point, enough's enough, and we should start taking our city back. What, what and how that means is, well, it's up to you.
0: Did y'all hear about that guy that's been breaking into houses in the West End? I
1: think he got arrested
2: in the
1: west end i thought it was in the west end it was uh no it was a uh, providence college area um, um i thought
2: it was in elmwood elmhurst elmhurst that's what i meant my bad
1: <laughs> yeah elmhurst he was around that Street. area essentially there was a uh, man that was walking around sexually harassing or actually i believe it was sexually assaulting people Full on assault and he was like breaking into houses and he was like it was like uh, i think this, this was going on for like two to three days right yeah, um, I recently saw that police arrested someone. I don't know if it's confirmed if it was him, but they did arrest someone in Elmhurst. Hmm. But essentially, like, uh, yeah, um, that's something that folks should also be able to defend themselves against, whether you need to carry some pepper spray or the good old fashioned. Oh, but yeah, um he was arrested uh but suspect was arrested but they don't know if suspect. yeah sorry but that's something to be aware of stay safe out there um i love providence but of course like there when we live in a city uh that is full of immense issues crime unfortunately is something that goes on and folks need to be ready to defend themselves The, the how that how they do it is a whole thing
0: <laughs> right um what else is going on anything i know i there there's a story that broke recently that um on the topic of landlords that the rhode island attorney general is suing a few landlords in Winsocket and Pawtucket for uh some some children got lead poisoning um oh. and so They're being sued for that, which, you know, speaking about landlords and how parasitic they are just speak. I mean, I could tell you that, like when I moved back here, I definitely saw some apartments that uh, had lead paint still in them. And I remember when my daughter was young and we had to move into a place in in Waltham, Massachusetts, You know, the the law in Massachusetts is that landlords have to uh, de-led apartments if there's going to be children living in them. So I remember it was like a huge headache that every time we mentioned to a landlord that like, yeah, we have a child, uh, we would just not hear from them anymore. They would just disappear. They wouldn't even get back to us. Um, And so, and even in Rhode Island, when I was moving back here and looking at apartments, the same thing sort of happened as soon as you were like, yeah, I have a four-year-old child that stays with me every once in a while. It was just like, it was just silent. Nobody responded because nobody wants to do what they're legally obligated to do, which is to de because it costs money for them to do that. Um, so I think it's great that these landlords are being sued. I think that relying on the Rhode Island attorney general to actually uh, fall through with, um, you know, it's not just these two landlords or however many landlords that are parasitic, it's, it's all of them. And so, you know, the more that that gets exposed, I guess, the better. So I'm happy that this is happening. Uh, yeah. I'm not happy. I'm not happy for the kids. I feel really bad for the kids. I'm sorry for them. Um, but you know, the more, the more landlords are held accountable, the better. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And again, landlords, like I again, keep always anytime I talk about landlords, they're landlords, the relation between landlords um and tenants is a parasitic relation. Landlords do not provide anything. They don't actually provide housing. Like just because a landlord is, like has a house for rent, they're not providing that housing. They're holding that housing hostage. Um, but yeah, um, essentially landlords will continuously make a profit out of you, the working class person's paycheck. And then it turns out they're not even doing the bare minimum of making sure the house isn't full of lead.
0: Right. Yeah, in classical political economy, the sources of income are uh, wage, uh, labor, and rent. And so like landlords know particularly in urban areas on pieces of land that don't produce anything that they can still get surplus income surplus value from the labor of the people that live there. And like, that's, that's like a historic reality that has existed for, you know, hundreds of years that especially in our time now we're seeing like intensified to the point where, you know, a landlord could own a three a three family apartment and get $2,200 from each tenant. And the mortgage on that property might be like, you know, just one third or one fourth of that. And so the rest of the money uh, is nothing but, but profit for the landlord.
2: Yeah, buying up more property than you need and then charging for a profit is like textbook evil.
1: Landlords are the reason there is a housing crisis in our city
0: right exactly uh what else is going on
1: um let's see what else is going on in providence um to do i know
0: that mayor bob da silva in east providence just recently announced that he is running again and i he's an ex-cop as like most of these politicians particularly outside of providence are um and you know he like pointed to a bunch of development that recently happened in east providence as evidence that he's doing a good job but in fact like all of those developments were uh contracts that were already made before he was mayor so it really has nothing to do with him but um you know that's happening i get the as the uh as the elections near we'll probably hear a lot more there was also a gubernatorial debate that happened the other day Uh, and you know I've all of the all of the candidates were on there even Luis Munoz who who like even historically has been left out of these debates Um, so I was sort of glad to see him in not necessarily because I'm endorsing him but because I do think that he is probably the most quote left candidate that is running. Um, But, you know, even though he was on there, he didn't really get all that much airtime and talk time. Instead, it was like Dan McKee just acting condescending because he's already the incumbent. And so the assumption is that he'll kind of win. And uh, I think Nelly Gorbea uh, was really the one to be challenging him as well as, uh, Matt Brown, Matt Brown and Luis Munoz kind of teamed up in certain parts of it, which is kind of cool. It's like the two quote unquote progressive candidates kind of going at it together. But again, like Luis Munoz just kind of got drowned out by, by everybody else. And, you know, both in terms of who, who got airtime to talk, but also in terms of like, who's getting the most campaign financing, unfortunately.
1: I think I I might have one. Although that is dependent if I already didn't talk about it last time. Uh let me did I um last episode, did I mention anything about a middle school calling the police on children? No. All right. So um this is a middle school in Providence, ISIC. Um, long story short, um it was like they're preteens of middle schoolers, like uh that's like 10 to like Thirteen, I want to say right yeah I don't know Evan would know
2: yeah that's pretty accurate
1: yeah so long story short um there was a middle school fight as they happen Mm -hmm. you know um children shouldn't be fighting each other of course but it is the responsibility of the adults who are there to make sure that they protect the children and also their educators and hoping to do what they can to make sure that situations like that are de-escalated so at Isaac, um there was a situation from where um kids got into a fight uh one of them had their tooth knocked out um which um must have been pretty serious considering i don't at least from my knowledge of children i don't think a regular punch would be able to do that but regardless of what happened is um that child who had the tooth knocked out um, was feeling pain as they would from having a tooth knocked out. They would went and take him to the hospital. Um, but the school, the fight was already over. There was no fight. They they had the kids probably in detention and they called the police to arrest three preteens over a school fight. And there's a lot of back and forth. There are parents who are furious, which is justifiable. Again, um you, when you send your child to these schools you would expect and want them to be safe but that goes for every single child there again bringing in the police for a situation like this that had already been ended only to arrest them probably give them a record and again continuing to fortify the issue of the school to prison pipeline is messed up
0: yeah yeah, that seems like that's all that it does is uh, reinforce that pipeline or some like idea that the cops are the people that you call in these situations. But yeah,
1: there is no reason that you need to bring in police who when <laughs> who, again, as all of you all are familiar with, are the same police who people all across the country have been protesting for the violence they have been doing to people. In our entire country, whether it's we're talking nationally or even in our own city. Yeah. So I'm the logic of needing to involve police over a middle school fight that was over. Is ridiculous,
0: man. I'm glad the police didn't get involved in the middle school fights I was in. I would be much worse off right now, I guess.
1: Yeah, I have many, many flashbacks of middle school fights.
2: At my middle school, there were fights all day, every day.
1: Yeah, like, I think I once saw like a Twitter post that was hilarious. It's like, like, damn, it's 7am and people ready to fight.
0: Yeah, for real. When I, yeah, in middle school, man, it was like any excuse to to go, especially, I mean, it really intensified in high school, because you kind of had to show that. Uh, you meant business, but in middle school, it was like, man, you staring at my girl wrong? I'm gonna beat you up. You know what I mean? And it just happened at the past. Yeah,
1: and they're children. And like, it's up to adults in this situation, being the educators, the I primarily would assume the principal themselves to like, maybe instead of calling the police, have a genuine conversation with them. Yeah. Maybe all these parents need to come together as well as adults talk amongst themselves and talk to their little children. And again, talk it out, right. come to a solution, make sure something like this doesn't happen again, because it's the focus at this point. The, the whole thing at this point was, I don't see them doing anything to make sure that it doesn't happen again. All they're doing is just um, involving police. If it happens, Right. the goal needs to be to make sure it doesn't happen in the first place, not just, involve police when something happens
0: right and it, and it just creates more animosity between the children that uh, face the repercussions with the police uh, for the future I mean like if if liberals are hoping that people come around and start to see the police as a force for good then introducing them to the punitive force of the police at a young age is not going to accomplish that goal at all um, but hey what do I know
1: yeah, like we see across the country this country has so many people in jails and we see the police continuously becoming a greater militarized force yet crime isn't they're not crime isn't ending, crime is still happening.
0: Right.
1: It turns out that you can keep going what you're going when it comes to police but they're not the solution to the various issues that are behind why instances of violence, especially instances of violence among children is happening?
2: My sibling, when they were super young, uh, it, it, they were arrested at school, like at middle school or something like that, and taken away in front of all their peers, all Get their teachers the... and everything.
0: That's no, terrible. That just creates, it just creates conditions for animosity, um, both with, with your sibling and then the people who witnessed it as well. Friends. Um, yeah, That's all we have for today. The musical guest for this week is Bochek once again who we've had as a musical guest once before. Uh, if you like what you hear, this is a new song from them. Uh, you can check them out at the Dirt Palace on May 14th, Saturday. The price is 7 to $15 suggested donation uh, and they're playing with Trigger Discipline Tomoke Wow, and of course, Bocek. So, uh, check them out. Here they are.